Samuel and Jesus, both of them, the Bible says, they had favor with God, right? And they had favor with man. What is favor? Well, favor is something that happens to you that doesn't seem to happen to everybody else. I hear people say it, it's true. Favor's not fair, meaning that uh, something has happened because of uh, uh, just someone went out of their way to bless you, to give you something you didn't deserve. Sounds a lot like grace to me. How many know God's grace is his favor? God's grace is his favor. And so we've been looking through, and I'm not going to go back. Uh, This is the seventh week I've been talking about this. But remember, I just want to keep you remembering this. Yes, favor is about God getting you things. That just goes with it. But that's true about seeking first the kingdom of God. The Bible says if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what? All these things. What, What is these things? Things the Gentiles seek. People are, every Monday morning, people are seeking things. But you don't have to seek those things. If you seek God, those things will seek you. Are you with me? If you seek God, those things will just seek you. Right? And so, yes, the favor uh, raises the corner office, the this, and, and it's just happening. It's, I, we've gotten so many testimonies already. And, and that was in uh, November and December before the new year even started. So you're jumping in. But the overarching thing that God has for us is like what? What happened to Joseph? Joseph was able to save Israel alive. Why? Because of the favor of God in his life. Moses was able to deliver Israel. Why? Because of the favor of God in his life. Esther was able to save Israel. Why? Because of the favor of God on her life. Right? Jesus, he was able to save everybody because of the favor of God on his life. Well, I can't save anybody. No, but you know someone who can. And so that's the whole thing about favor right now. And so one of the things I found is favor on your life. So I have favor with God. Say this, I have favor with God and I have favor with man. You cannot have real favor with man without the favor of God. And if you have the favor of God, you will have the favor with man. There are, there are things that God wants to do in your life and he wants to use you for his glory. And uh, he wants us to be kind of, uh, you know, writing, if you will, uh, um, you know, some more exciting things that will be recorded in heaven. And God wants to use you. I said, God wants to use you. God wants to use you and he wants to use me. And so he's trying to, I see him uh, trying to place us and get us ready, get ready, get ready because of how God wants to use you and what he wants to do through you right now. And I don't want you to just, I want you to take the, the limits off of, you know, God uses preachers. God uses, does things at church. He does. But that's just a very small part of your life, maybe three, uh, four hours a week. We'll try to keep it, you know, uh, you know, getting you out of here on time so we can get the second service in. But, you know, if you come Sunday and Wednesday, and even if you're in Bible Institute, that's just a limited amount of time. God wants to use you at your workplace. God wants to use you at your neighborhood. God wants to use you at the basketball game because football's about over and I don't care anymore. And so, uh, especially after last night. And so um, I just don't, you know, but God wants to use you everywhere. So I need you to have that mentality as you go. Favor is on my life and something, a divine appointment can happen right now. A divine door in my life can happen right now. But what I've noticed is God's favor is on you. But sometimes there's places of favor. 
In other words, you've got to be at the right place at the right time doing the right thing for God's favor to fully work on you. And I'm going to tell you again, and the Holy Ghost just reminds me again to tell you, favor has always been in the word. This is not something new. In other words, if somebody prophesies something new that's not in the word, that they're uh, kind of making happen, and, and, and when God brings up stuff, it's not always just about uh, something new and something exciting. That's very itchy ear. But this is, favor has always been there. So this is nothing new. He's just emphasizing it. Why? Because he needs you to walk in it. He wants you to walk in it. So, you know, we're not looking for something new. We're looking for something that's real, something that is. And the word of God favor has always been there. And you and I can walk in it. And we have to a degree. But I'm ready to kick it up. Are you ready to kick it up with me? Everybody say, I have favor with God. And I have favor with man. And so one of my places I love to look at, we, we've mentioned him some, is Nehemiah. I like to teach on Nehemiah. Um, I, I teach a lot on him in, my, in the school of ministry that we have here at the church. And yet I just love, um, if you go to Esther and then go back to Nehemiah, of course they're going to pop it up on the screen. Um, I want to show you what the favor of God um, looks like, what it will look like in your life. Um, I know that you don't have a city to rebuild, but you have maybe your life to rebuild, help rebuilding the lives of others. Um, that when they were singing, um, you know, when my heart feels weak or, or when I, you know, basically hurt people hurting in their soul realm and their mind, their will and their emotions, God can use you to restore them, to help them. How many know that Jesus is the healer of a broken heart? But a lot of it has to do with you being in your divine place of favor. And you're going to have to fight all your life, and especially now, to make sure that offense, um, people, people you listen to, don't move you out of your divine place. Because if they can, it'll limit your divine grace. And sometimes what, you know, how about Elijah? How many know he couldn't go to the Tennessee River? You might think the Tennessee River is the best, or you might like the Mississippi. But the Lord told him to go to the brook called Cherith. That's the only place the ravens would be. We got to get out of this thing as I can do what I want, when I want, how I want. Not if Jesus is your Lord. I'll go, James says, well, I'm going to go to this place or that place to sell and get gain. I'm going to work where I want and the Lord's just going to bless it. No, that's never been the plan. The plan was you were supposed to get the plan. You were supposed to find your divine place and at your divine place, that's where God will bless you. Now, how many know the mercy of God is very good? How many know God's, he's good and he will bless you to the extent that he can, even if you're not at the right place. But how many know you can always get in the right place? Now, the right place may change if you messed it up. Um, you know, uh, you, he'll get you in your right place for right now. But, but you got to understand, I, I just wanted you to see, and what's been really strong in my heart for the last month or so, and I I'm glad to, get to finally get here, is that divine favor does depend on your obedience and you being at the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Now, it's not just for preachers. Well, you're supposed to be at a certain place, preacher. You're supposed to be doing a certain thing. No, that's all y'all. In other words, I don't just go get a job and say, Lord, bless it. If that's not the plan of God for your life, you should have gotten the plan of God first, and he should have said yes or no to you. 
Amen? Where, where you go to church, um, where you live, uh, what you do in your life is not just for you to try some things. You, you should quit trying things and hear from God. Amen? All right, y'all good? Because I want to be in my divine place. Do you want to be in your divine? I know I'm in my divine place. Are you in your divine place? Yes, you all are. Hallelujah. I'll just say you are. Uh, here this morning, you're in your divine place. But what does that look like in your life? And so uh, let's look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a slave. Isn't it interesting how all these people who showed divine favor, their circumstances were not perfect. So favor does not depend on outward circumstances. Favor just depends on God. So once again, we have a slave. Well, all the Israelites were slaves at one time. Yeah, not, not always, but the ones that we're seeing here where favor was there. Um, th so he was a slave. Uh, he's got a good job. He's got a cushy job. He's the one that brings all the food and stuff to the king. And if there's any poison in it, he dies first, but he's got a good job. And so uh, this is what happens, Nehemiah 1.1. Y'all with me? The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah or whatever. And he came to pass in the month of, I'm glad we don't, May. Let's say May. In the 20th year, as I was in Sushan, the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren. Now, if you just read that, listen, this is a real brother. This is a blood brother. This is not just one, another Israelite. This is his literal brother. Uh, came in a certain men of Judah and asked them, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped. So there was a group that escaped captivity and concerning, and they went back to Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. So even though they escaped and they got to go back to Jerusalem, things are a mess. Life is not good. There's a lot of affliction. You'll find out later that they were fighting among themselves. There was a lot of poverty. Things were in chaos. Uh, and then it goes on to say, and the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down. So the walls, everybody said the walls are broken down. In other words, that represents that life, everything's broken down. Nothing's working right. Everything is bad. And the gates that keep the enemy out are burned with fire. This place is a mess. And so Hananiah brought that to him. And so that's, that's what happened. That's where they were. But I want you to see, so we're going we're gonna to go a little bit forward. And we're going to look at this because I want you to see that Nehemiah had favor with God and favor with man. Now listen, in the Bible, when you see favor with man, you know he already had favor with God. And so this is the mess. This is the picture the, 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 there were some children of Israel that they got out of captivity. Are you grateful you're out of captivity, but you have a whole lot of friends and a whole lot of family and a whole lot of coworkers and a whole lot of people in your neighborhood that are still in captivity. And God always sends a deliverer. God always sends a harborer, har harvester. God always sends a Moses, sends an Esther. See, you may not think it, but I'm talking to some Moseses, some Esther men and Esther women, some Josephs, and I need you to start looking at yourself differently. You're just not here to survive. You are here to thrive, and you are here to obey God, no matter what that looks like. And you don't need a pulpit to do it. 
If you need a pulpit to do it, then you, then you don't even understand what life is. Uh, I, I didn't need a pulpit to begin to do what God had called me to do. You don't need a pulpit. You just need somebody to listen. And if you won't have anybody listen to you, then uh, set, line up some teddy bears first and get them to listen to you. Uh, Brother Hagin used to say he used to go to the garden and preach to a bunch of cabbage heads. And then I heard him say, you all look like a bunch of cabbage heads yourself. Uh, but, but I wouldn't say that because you don't. Hallelujah. Um, but the truth of the matter is that there are a whole lot of people who need delivered. And so it starts with favor. So Nehemiah had this favor. And so let's look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. Then we're going to come back and pick it up. But I want you to see that he had favor. And, and I said to the king, if it please the king, if your servant has found favor. So he's asking for favor from the king. And uh, that you would send me into Judah to the city of my fathers, the sepulchers, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also was sitting by him, how long are your journey going to be? And will you return? And so, I, if it, uh, so it pleased the king to send me, and I, and I set him a time. So in other words, um, he had favor with the king. The king says, uh, so how long are you going to be gone? So he got to set his vacation time. He got to set how long he was going to be gone, and the king and the queen were good with it. And it said, moreover, I said to the king. So he's got all this favor working. He says, if it please the king, let letters be given to me to governors. Who are governors? These are people that he's going to go across their path that because he's a Jew, they're going to arrest him. They're going to throw him in prison. He doesn't have a free pass because he works for the king, but now he's got a letter. What is that? That's favor. Amen. So letters be given to me from governors beyond the river that they may convey me over till I come to Judah. In other words, I don't, I don't want any hassle with anybody. And then besides, I'm talking to you and give me a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest. Uh, what for? Because he needed the best material to rebuild Jerusalem. He wasn't going to run to Walmart. He wanted the good stuff. You understand what I'm saying? He want, because this is God's palace. This is God's house. These are God's walls. And so I want the material that you were going to use. What is all this? This boldness, the righteous are bold as a lion in the new covenant. But here he's got this boldness because he's got favor from God. Because he's got an assignment from the Lord. And with that assignment comes, I need some things to finish my assignment. And so he has favor with the king. He has favor with the queen. He gets a paid vacation. He gets to go. Uh, he, he's going to have a free pass through all the lands so he can get to, to Jerusalem. He's going to have the best material. And then besides that, you find out in verse 9 that he had a guard, a little mini army that went with him. Now, that's a whole lot of favor for a servant. That's a whole lot of favor for a slave. Even though he was the king's servant, he, in their estimation, was no better than anybody else. But because of favor with God and favor with man, I need you, God needs you to look at yourself different. He has put some favor on you to get some things done in the last days. So when you go to work, you go to work with favor. Yes, it'll cause you to get a raise. Yes, it'll cause you to be blessed. Yes, it'll cause you, the boss will pick up your ideas. If you are the boss, yes, it'll give you favor with employees. Yes, they'll want to work hard for you. Yes, they'll want to help you make money. Yes, yes, and yes. But really what you and I need to understand is that favor translates into helping them get saved, get free, get healed, get blessed, Get into the kingdom of God, begin to walk in darkness, get out of darkness and start walking into light. 
Are you with me? God needs you and I to see ourselves different in this hour. Everybody say, I have favor with God and I have favor with man. And then in verse eight, let's read verse eight, the last part of it. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God that was on me. Is the good hand of God on you? Aren't you glad it's not the bad hand of God? Aren't you glad he's not mad at you, angry at you, trying to keep you under? You know, the Bible says if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, it says he will lift you up. But the picture you're supposed to get is you humbled yourself. What does it mean humble? I come under. I'm a good submitter. A lot of people think they're good submitters, but they're really not good submitters. Because it's the first time they get an opportunity to submit, they usually run. People are good agreeers. Are you all right? People are good agreeers. But when it comes to submitting, nobody's good. No, if you say, I love to submit, I'm a good submitter. You're a liar. Because submitting's hard. True submission is hard. Because that means your flesh don't want to do it. Your mind don't want to do it. Come on, come on. How many know the Bible says every man's ways are right in his own mind? Come on. You're the smartest person you know. If I was in charge of the world, it'd all be fine. If everybody just do what I say, right? But see, God is smarter than us all. And God knows your future. He needs you to submit so that he can exalt you. If I humble myself under the mighty hand of God in due season, in the right time, he'll take that hand and he'll put it under me and he'll exalt me. The good hand of God is on me. The good hand of God lifts me up. Come on, just, just, it's just good. Just say it. Say, the good hand of God is on my life. Woo! And when God's hand is on you, everybody can recognize that. You don't even have to wear a T-shirt. Everybody recognizes that. Amen? So did Nehemiah have favor? God's hand was on him. Now let's go back to the beginning. And we see here that Hananiah came and he began to talk to him about it. But I want you to see um, Nehemiah's reaction. We're talking about favor, the favor of God on you, being in your divine place, doing your divine assignment. Uh, when you were in your mother's womb, before you did anything right or wrong, God had a plan for your life. He didn't have just a plan for a preacher's life. He didn't have a plan just for a pastor's life. He didn't have a plan just for a prophet's life. He had a plan for your life. Because wouldn't it be weird that if they're, you know, in the body of Christ, if only, you know, if the fivefold ministry makes up three to 5% even of the body of Christ, if God only had a plan for 3% of the people. No, he's got a plan for everybody. He's got a plan for everybody. And he has a plan for you. And so, uh, so here is Nehemiah and he heard what Hananiah and the fellows had to say. And in verse four was, and it came to pass when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days. And then it caused him to fast and pray before the God of heaven. Sometimes when something, you hear something and it will get into your soul and that's not wrong and it, it, and it causes a reaction. Uh, if you see something that needs fixed, if you see something that, that makes you irritated or even angry or, 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 or like somebody's got to do something, usually that's you. 
Yeah, but I don't have the power to fix that. Yeah, but if you have, do what God tells you to do, then you can eventually get to the place where you can be a part of the answer, a part of the solution. So he sat down and, and it just got in his heart. When he heard that the walls were broken down, all the gates were burned and everything else, even though these people, listen to me, these people are free. They got out of captivity. They're no longer slaves, but they're probably living worse than the slaves. Because if you go on and you look, and we will maybe later, they're fighting with one another. There is no unity. There is no one accord. They're all doing their separate things. They let the walls fall down. They let the, the gates fall down. They, they're letting this enemy run over them and rule them. And that's the picture of what's going on in the world today. They're not just lost. They're not just if they die going to hell. And that's the worst thing. But they're also having hell on earth right now. Because their souls are messed up. Their minds are messed up. They're confused. They're the God of their own life. They think their ways are right. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't have time for God. They don't have time for church. But you and I are their answer. Because Jesus is their answer. But you and I have to be in our divine place, doing our divine thing. The steps of the righteous are ordered of God. Getting a little ahead of myself. But what did he do? He began to pray. Uh, and, and then I want, so he wept. And then it says, uh, he fasted and he prayed. But then I want you to see this um, in Nehemiah 2.12. Look at this. This, this really, um, I've been teaching now this for years, but I really never saw this as strong. Uh, it's, uh, he said, I arose in the night. And, I, and he had already went, but I want you to do this. And I, and I had some men with me. Neither told I any man what my God had put on my heart to do. Even in the old covenant, this is very different verbiage than you usually get in the old covenant. God put this on my heart. That's not a lot. Because in the old covenant, God dealt with the king, the priest, and the prophet. But here is a man with a certain call who is not any of those things. See, even in the Old Testament, God used people. And God, with his favor and with his hand on him, or we would call that the anointing. God's, Nehemiah said, God put this on my heart. God put this. Listen, if God puts something on your heart, there's not a man on the earth that can keep it from happening except you. Well, so-and-so blocked me. So-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. Um, so-and-so is not big enough to block you if you'll obey God. No matter what it is whether that's your own business, that's your career, that's life, whatever. Can't do it. You just submit to God. You believe you have divine favor. You believe that God told you something to do and he'll, he'll help you get it done. So God put it on his heart. The Bible says this in Psalms 37, four and five. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. Y'all know how to delight yourself in the Lord? It's a lot of this. It's a lot of vertical. It's a lot of obedience. It's a lot of doing what he says do. It's a lot of uh, being a doer of the word. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, number one, I believe what the desires he's talking about are the desires that God put in you in your mother's womb. He's not talking about just a bunch of different weird things. He's talking about the things that you have in your life that you want to accomplish that God put in you. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll put the desires in your heart and then he will bring those desires to pass. Verse five, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will. He, who will bring it to pass? You'll bring it to pass. 
Hard work will bring it to pass. The will of God, will, the, only the will of God will, just God will bring it to pass. You know, you have to watch in your career and in your business and your life that you don't try to bring it to pass. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in who? I trust in my boss. I trust in my willpower. I trust in my work ethic. I trust in my education. I trust in this. I just trust people around me will do the right thing. No, you commit your way to the Lord and he's the only one you can trust. We mean I can't trust you? No, you can trust me and you can trust people around you. But trust, put your life in someone's hand, that can only be done with the Lord. Now, he can tell you where to, who to associate with, who to be around, all those kind of things. But it's just trusting in him. Everybody say, I trust you, Lord. And then what's going to happen? He'll bring it to pass. So here's Nehemiah. He heard that the walls were down. He heard that the gates were down. He heard things were a mess in Jerusalem. And when he heard it, he wept. When he heard it, it caused him to go before the Lord. He heard what was going on and suddenly he had a burden. He had, uh, in the New Testament, we call it a leading. Um, God had put something on his heart, which is really big words in the Old Covenant. God put something on his heart. In other words, it became a part of him. What do you burn with passion to do for God? For God. What do you burn with passion to do for God? Your creator, your savior, the one who gave you everything. What is your passion for God? Where is your passion for God? If nothing else was going on in your life, can you pinpoint where your passion is, what he's called you to do? Y'all all right? Amen? It's okay. I do. I like sports. I like football. I like this. I like that. But he's my passion. And I'm going to get more passionate about my passion. I want to be like King David. You ain't seen nothing yet, baby. Y'all want to go? Come on, let's. Remember, King David was dancing before the Ark of the Covenant, and his wife said, Don't you look like a fool? And what he said, You ain't seen nothing yet, baby. Kind of, sort of, is what he said. Come on. I, I, I wanna, I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. Nehemiah had this burning on his heart. And. Um, Let's, so let's go back, though. I want to look at this. Um, uh, I don't often teach on his brother, but I want you to see something. Verse 2, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came and certain men of Judah. So his brother is the one telling him. How I many know Hananiah has got to be free? He's already free. Now, Nehemiah is hooked to serving the king. He, Hananiah comes with the report and the other brothers from Judah, they, he comes with a report, but it gets all over Nehemiah. Hananiah's job was to get the report to Nehemiah because Nehemiah was the one who was going to fix it. But the th interesting thing is sometimes people get upset when, well, why you showed it to me? Why, why, why wasn't I the one that you got? How come you didn't use me? And why are you going to use my brother? 
And you got to understand, and this is really important, that it wasn't Hananiah's place. And when you um, intrude on someone else's grace or someone else's place, and a lot of times the most critical people I've ever met are those who are doing nothing for God. Like me, when I look at the, uh, it's kind of on me, y'all, I'm sorry. When I look at the Colts and they drop a ball on fourth and one when it's time to win the game. And I can sit there and scream at the quarterback, but I've never had uh, the opportunity to quarterback a professional team. I never even quarterbacked a peewee. Uh, I've never even did the junior high thing. I, 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 and yet I think I'm an expert. <laughs> Because I yelled at him. Mm. The most critical people I see are those who don't do. Don't know how to do. So don't get there because there's a lot of critics out there right now. I often wonder that with restaurant critics and movie critics. What movie did you make? What restaurant did you run? It's easy to criticize. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Be careful who you listen your ears to. I'm sure Hananiah, maybe he didn't. Maybe he was way more mature than I would be. But I'm the one who saw it, and now you're going to use my brother to fix this? But if you don't read this, and it's easy to miss, some things in the word are tucked in, and they're easy to miss. Just a little preview. Let's, look, let's, let's go here. Let's go um, uh, Nehemiah 7. How many know at the very end, we're not there yet, but the walls were rebuilt, the gates were put up, the word of God came forth again in the city of Jerusalem. The law was being read. Remember we get uh, from Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Y'all, come on, we know that one. Everybody know the joy of the Lord is your strength. That came from the word of God was being ministered and it's the first time they heard it and they understood it and they began to weep. And that's when he said to them, it's not a time for weeping, it's a time for rejoicing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So that's what's going on. And then in chapter 7, verse 1. Now it came to pass when the wall was built. Everybody say it was done. God, the favor of God on Nehemiah's life had brought it to pass. There's lots of twists and turns. It's a good movie. Um, lots of things happen. And, and, and the doors were set up. And the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed. Everything's working good that I gave my brother, Hananiah, Hananiah, and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem. Did that just go over your head? He brought the report, but God chose not to use him to rebuild. He brought the report to his brother and the spirit of God came on his brother. And his brother's job was to put the gates up, to rebuild the wall, to get everybody to work together. And it's a miracle how they all came together. Remember, the enemy was coming in. That's where you get, remember, the sword in one hand and, and the, you know, fixing the wall in the other. Uh, he, uh, uh, um, 
Nehemiah was able, uh, the children had been sold into slavery and he got them all back home. They were all fighting with one another and he got them all, uh, you know, working together. The law of God, the word of God had not been read publicly in Jerusalem forever and he got the word back where it needed to go. He had a lot of obstacles, but you see, Hananiah was always appointed to run, to be the governor. After his brother got it established, then he was appointed to rule over it. God used him. What if he hadn't, what if he, 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 he said, well, I don't know why you didn't use me to do that. Why is he so special? How come he gets to do that and I don't get to do that? Well, if you'll just hang in your place, if you'll just run your race, if you'll just walk in your ordered steps, God's going to get you to the place. And if you're upset about whatever somebody else has got, then you are in a wrong place. Because I can't be envious or jealous or, or want what somebody else has or what somebody else does. I've got my own race to run for God. And listen, I know I'm saying that, but it's hard for all of us in this room. We always compare ourselves among ourselves. And the Bible says don't do it. But we do it anyway. But you can't. all you have to compare with is what God has told you to do. And are you doing it? Can you see that? I don't know if maybe it doesn't do as much for you as it did for me. Hananiah came and he brought the report and God chose not to use him to rebuild. Was he capable? I don't know, but God chose not to use him. And he didn't get mad, obviously. He helped out and he was, just, the Bible says, uh, uh, his brother said of him, he's the most faithful man. Come on, that's high praise. That's like Moses praise. He's a faithful man. How many of you know it's required of a steward you'd be found faithful? He's a faithful man. And so he appointed him. He had the ability and he appointed him governor over everything and left him in charge of everything after it got all set up. His brother had to do all the hard work and he just gets to rule over it, which I'm sure was hard too. Can you see that? My point to you is every one of you have a place. Every one of you have a grace. Every one of you need to be in your divine appointment. So let's pull this over into the new covenant a little bit. Let's uh, remind you of these scriptures. Ephesians 2.10 says what? God has prearranged. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that you should walk in them. Everybody say this. Uh, what God put in my heart when I was in my mother's womb, I will accomplish. All right, let's just leave that there. How many of you know? The Bible says this. The Bible says this in Psalms 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord build the house. Well, who's the house? You. Unless the Lord build the house, those that labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes in vain. What are you talking about? Well, unless you find out uh, and do what God has asked you particularly, you personally to do, you're going to be doing a lot of things in vain. What does vain mean? To no use. Doesn't profit anything. Everything in your life should be, you, you belong to the Lord. You're, he's your savior. He's your Lord. Uh, you don't have a sacred life and a secular life. You don't have, uh, well, this part of my life belongs to you and the rest I'll figure out because I'm that smart. No, every part of your life belongs to the Lord. Your business, your career, your family, uh, your comings, your goings, your life, everything belongs to the Lord. And if you look at that way, then he's building it. I said, he's building it. Because I don't want a life that is in vain. 
I don't want where it's my life and I've made my decisions and I've made my choices. Now listen to me. If you're saved, filled with the Holy Ghost and you love the Lord, God's mercy is bigger than any of us could ever know. His compassions, they fail not. And so a lot of times God blesses us to the extent that he can. But if you want really what I hear a lot of, uh, you know, uh, word people confess, I'm blessed coming in, I'm blessed going out, I'm the head, uh, not the tail, I'm above. If you want to qualify that, you've got to take that up a little bit. It says, if you would hearken diligently, not only to his word, hearken doesn't mean hear, hearken means hear and do. And so a lot of people don't qualify for that confession. If you really want God to bless everything you do, you're going to have to be uh, in him speaking the word, but you're going to have to be at the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Well, that's a lot of responsibility. Uh, you know, I thought God led my step. He leads. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, he leads me. He guides me. So you got to know, number one, that in your mother's womb, he, he has created all of us to help people. He's created all of us to do something big for the kingdom of God. Why? Because you have favor with God. You have favor with man. And that favor with man is not just so you can get things. That favor with man is so that you can help them out of their trouble. You know, a lot of times people, you know, uh, I want to work where everybody's a Christian. I just want to work where everybody's a Christian. Well, who's going to save those people if you want to work where nobody else? I mean, if we should be strong enough that whatever's going on in them won't get on us. And we need to be strong enough what's ever on us will get off on them. Come on, where you work is a harvest field. Yeah, but I can't talk about Jesus at work. No, but you can be like him at work. So, your life is like this. Acts chapter five. <laughs> yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. Uh, it just goes so fast. How and now I say to you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For this counsel or this work be of men, it comes to nothing. Anytime you and I try to do something that God didn't tell us to do, it will come of nothing. It'll be hard because you have to do it in your flesh. I didn't say that you couldn't do it. I'm just saying it's going to be hard. There's no wind. <laughs> There's no grace. There's no unction. I remember when I moved down here 30 years ago, um, the Lord would never let me get back into accounting, which is my profession, so I could make some money and pastor. He never would let me get back because I loved accounting. I, I was good at it. I was confident in it, and I could make some money at it. But he would never let, once I accepted my call, he wouldn't let me do that anymore. And so when I moved down here, I had to work at a clothing store selling men's suits, which I'm also very good at. Um, but that was more because of what I liked, not because I wanted to sell them, because you don't make much money doing that. But while I did it, he told me to do it. I had grace to do it. I had grace to do it. And he took care of my needs and people blessed me. But I do remember a time when he told me to go part-time and I couldn't see it and I didn't do it. Why don't I bring this? If God is in it, he'll grace you. 
If God tells you to, if God opens the door, no man can shut it. But when God shuts the door, no, not you bawling and squalling, not you throwing a little two-year-old tamper, temper tantrum at the door is going to open it. When God closes the door, God closes the door. And when he opens the door, no man can shut it. And if this counsel, this thing be of God, you can't fight against it. And so when you know that you're in the will of God, doing the right thing at the right place, no, whether they fight against it or not, it's not gonna, nothing's going to happen because God gave you that. And so I do remember, though, when I, when I was supposed to go uh, 20 hours a week, um, everybody really liked me at work, and I became kind of like the pastor on call, um, and everybody liked me. But I had this friend, her name, uh, she comes around. I once in a while, she might be watching, so I'm going to be careful. Uh, but... Um, she said to me after I didn't do it about a weekend, she goes, she goes, I used to like you, but I don't like you. She's like, what happened to you? You are grouchy. You are no longer fun to work with. I'm like, well, you know, that's very rude. But she was just a, we, could, we loved each other. She could tell me the truth. I could tell, she helped me in some things. I helped her in some things. I love her. And, uh, I was like, huh, well, what's the last thing the Lord told me to do? He told me to go 20 hours a week. I didn't do it because I couldn't see it. And then I got grouchy because I'm working 20 hours a week in my flesh. And being anywhere where you're not supposed to be can make everybody else around you miserable. Find your place, find your grace, and do it. Yeah, but I blew it, Pastor Mark. I messed up. Ask God to forgive you. get to an assignment. I wish I could have got to the rest of it because really, how do, we do, how do we do that? You have to know the voice of God. Have to. Nehemiah knew what he was called to do. He didn't just do it. When he heard the walls fell down, it got on his heart. The Bible says he prayed. He prayed. When's the last time you really prayed about your life? I'm not talking about five minutes. I'm talking about you took some time and asked God and made sure you were in his center of his will. First, if those of you, most of you are filled with the Holy Ghost. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse two says that when you pray in the spirit, you pray out mysteries. So when you pray in the spirit, just go in with Lord. Um, you said the steps of my life are ordered of you. You said, if you open a door, no man will shut it. So I'm asking you, am I in the right place at the right time doing the right thing? And if you don't know, then you pray in the Holy Ghost. Why not shut everything off, shut everyone out, get somewhere where you're alone and just literally pray in the Holy Ghost for about an hour and do it regularly. And then check on the inside because you're his sheep. You know his voice. You should never just do anything. As a born again, spirit-filled Christian where Jesus is your Lord, you shouldn't just be off doing whatever you want to do. You should hear from God. I'm not talking about a voice. I'm talking about a knowing. Because that's the only place that God can really bless you. That's the only place where his divine favor really is working for you. And so you need to know and you need to be confident. You need to be able to say, uh, you know, uh, the Lord, I perceive this. I know this. The Lord has led me to do this. You say, well, Pastor Mark, you know, please, you know, uh, can't we just let everything just, you know, whatever shall be, shall be. Isn't that God too? No, that's not God too. You got to know. The season of wandering around in the wilderness is over. 
You have arrived at the last days. And you need to know his voice and you need to know where to be and what to do. And you can only do that by prayer, like Nehemiah. Fasting, like Nehemiah. I'm not fasting to twist God's arm. I'm fasting to put my body under so I can hear. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm confessing the word. I am your sheep. I know your voice. And then God leads. You know what I'm grateful about? Are you grateful for Jesus? Doppo? Or whoever's coming? As we get into this next part, I just want you as believers to pray. I want you to believe God with me. Listen. The only way we're ever gonna be satisfied in life is understand this, that it's all because of Jesus.